This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jared Gillett, that video went round of him in the A-League where he used to referee, and he was mic'd up, so it was one of those examples like, why, why, don't, why, why are all the Premier League referees mic'd up? This is Look at this guy. He's dealing with it so well. You can hear everything he's saying, communicating with the players brilliantly. I mean, maybe he was consistent enough tonight, but a, a, a bit mad. Was he, he was a bit mad, wasn't he? That was the best. He was thing. fucking mental. If he was mic'd up tonight, all you would have heard him saying was, nah, not for me. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And that Only football could take you from that high, that enjoyment. I talked about the contentment the last time we were there, which seems like fucking ages ago now. And to be honest, I wish like it was still ages ago because we're back and we've gone from all the fun, all the childish joy of that first half to. To the second half, <laughs> it was just, oh, it was bad. It was, it's a bad result. Three three against Leeds. Um, three one up is the big thing. Leeds aren't good. They're not going well. Three one up. We're at home. Didn't see it out, and you know, Leeds didn't offer much either. And I think this game really brought me back to my FIFA fifteen online days. I don't know if you're familiar with my famous tactic, Liam. It was basically a. <laughs> it was basically a six three one. And I had uh, six defenders. I had three defensive midfielders. A custom formation, obviously. And then I had Aryan Robin up top. Leeds are the most speed merchant FIFA side of all time. Like, you know, back in FIFA 15, you could just hit the ball over the top and Aryan Robin was going to win it and it was going to destroy people. Got a bit more sophisticated as it came along, but that's all Leeds were offering. And it was punishing Villa. It was hurting them. It was worrying them. And then in the second half, Villa were the very worst 
iteration of that 6-3-1 formation where you weren't even getting the ball over the top to Arian Robin. It was just trying to see it out yet again, just, you know, backs of the wall, crowd getting frustrated, not offering much. And, yeah, from the highs of that first half to the flatness of the second half, I have to say it's a, a disappointing night. Sprinkled with some lovely moments in there, but the way it was ordered, it's just... It just doesn't have a good feeling right now. Yeah, you'd love to be watching that game and not be a fucking Villa fan. I actually think you've you've left out a few undulations of emotions there. In the first 10 minutes, I actually thought we were brilliant. We pressed really high. We had a bit of early pressure and we came out hot and Leeds wilted and they were a mess. They couldn't get out. The only way they were beating the press was whenever their keeper passed the ball out for a fucking corner. But as, <laughs> as soon as Leeds scored a shit goal, the game just completely flipped for the next 10 or 15 minutes and Leeds could have scored more. We were a fucking mess. Like, did none of our players say to Gerard, I know what you think, what how you think you want us to play against Leeds, but it's not a good idea, especially if Leeds have the lead. I mean, we've been through this before. It was humiliating. It was so soul-destroying that we went 4-0 down to Southampton in the next fucking game. <laughs> but then we get a goal out of nothing, and it's the game it should be. Pick them off. They're going to make hits of themselves. Let's fucking go. But to go two goals up against Leeds and not end up winning by four or five is fucking scandalous. The, the, the second half was dreadful. At least whenever we were shite in the first half, we were chaotic. We were shite with a purpose, like Leeds. The second half, we were just nothing. We were neither one thing nor the other. And both of those things were shite anyway. Well, let's get into the goals. The first one, a ball over the top. Of course, that's what really hurts Villa. Just a nothing ball into the channels over the top. Somebody cuts it out. Villa's defence all get drawn over to the left-hand side. Mings wins the tackle initially. Like I don't know how much Mings is to blame for this one. Like There, there are other stuff that we can talk about in this game, but he cuts it out and he tackles it into another player. Now, maybe he should be a bit more alert because we are playing Leeds and they are manic and they are pushing up and there's always another body and we should, we should know this more than any other team. And... Yeah, maybe he should just make the tackle and clear it, but he makes the tackle and allows somebody else to get in there. But I don't think Khan's is faultless either. I also don't think Khan's is too much to blame. Like he, He's there, he's shadowing James, it's Dan James, and sometimes a ball goes through a defender's legs and falls in the corner. Like Is, is that is that too kind? Way too fucking kind, Khan's. Why, why is Khan's standing up? It's Dan James, you're right. He's fucking useless. And even if it was a footballer that had the ball in the box... What are you waiting for? You want them to have a shot to you in two yards of space all the time in the world? Ball set, body set. Is that what you want, Esri? Like, I know you were playing training matches for the last two and a half weeks, but you were also playing Premier League matches for the last two and a half years. You can't have forgotten how to do it. Go out and get on the fucking shot. Okay, well, that's that cleared up. It was too kind. <laughs> Um, yeah, like honestly, because like you know, and I know, I don't want to get into this uh, culture war that happens, but like I do think Konza was probably more to blame than Mings. I still think Mings haven't made the tackle. He gets a bit unlucky. You still think it should clear. We're playing leads. Like you've made the tackle, you have no idea what's behind you. You're at the edge of the box. You know you can see him because you're facing him. You know Konza's over alongside you. Put your foot through it and worry about it later. Yeah, but like the goal doesn't happen if Konza goes out and blocks the shot. I mean, what, what Mings tries to do is he tries to win a tackle and he gets a little bit unlucky. Konza just go out and block the shot. Yeah, 
no, that, that that's fair. Let's let's have a bit of fun for a few minutes here because there were three goals. There were actually four goals. Like this this game was crazy. Like you're right to point out that Villa were good at the start. I was thinking this is going to be good crack, and then yeah, it completely flipped. But there was only one goal in the first thirty minutes, and then bang, 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 four goals in the next fifteen minutes, and it starts with a Matty Cash assist. I saw somebody point out um that Matt Cash. Hasn't been that good. Hasn't been as good as people are making out because he hasn't made an assist for God knows when. People who have been pointing out that Matt Cash have been good have been watching the games. Like that, <laughs> that's what the most <laughs> important detail that they were taking away from. Um, but Matt Cash does get an assist and he's he's been setting up people over and over and over. I don't know when his last assist was, but somebody should have scored along the way over the last few weeks and it fell to the right man this time. Lovely ball in. And just a gorgeous finish from Philippe Coutinho. Yeah, you're, you're probably being too kind again. There is it's a decent one too down the right, and I'd like to give Cash the benefit of the doubt and say he's picked out Coutinho, but I'm not an idiot, Conan. You're <laughs> not an idiot. We all know he's just slashing out across the box, and it's a it's a brilliant touch and finish from Coutinho after all three Leeds defenders drift back onto the six yard box to mark figments of their imagination and Ollie Watkins' shadow. <laughs> But it's funny that you say that because later on then, even though he'd already scored two goals, I was judging Jacob Ramsey for not expecting Matty Cash to be slashing it across and pulling it back a little bit. And Ramsey wasn't in the same position as Coutinho. And fair enough, I was frustrated. But I found myself thinking, for fuck's sake, you know what he's doing. You know what Matt Cash is doing. <laughs> he's slashing it. Be aware. Be on red alert. Um, 2-1. I mean... Philip Coutinho, when he turns, like, is there a, is there a more lethal sight in football? Like, just that scan of the pitch. Like, I don't know if I've seen anything more predatory in the last while. Like, you know, just you know, he's just looking up. He's looking at his prey, and they're all blue jerseys, and he's seeing space, and he's seeing Jacob Ramsey just bursting through. Who just seemed to love getting it onto his left and scoring. I know his touch, and he had a get his body in the way and he probably would have preferred to get it on his right didn't get it out of his feet as well reacted brilliantly and finished it well low and hard yeah and here it is this is this is how easy it is to score against Leeds United I mean you can't just man mark someone regardless of whatever else is happening on the pitch you can't just follow continue across to the other side of the pitch when you're playing in defense I mean if you've been told to do that then have a word with the chairman if Aileen is told to follow him, what's the plan for defending the entire quarter of the pitch that is now vacated? Because you probably should have one in general, but also just in case Coutinho gets turned. Because he's Philippe Coutinho, and because he's gotten turned three or four times already, ramming up his arse isn't working. It's a fucking disaster. You've only been let off the hook because of a bad touch or a, an underhead or overhead pass from Coutinho. But that can't be your 90-minute game plan. Fuck it. He mightn't find his man, sure. Ah, sure, look. Ramsey mightn't have seen the 50 yards of space vacated by Alien. Jesus Christ, what were he playing at? And of course, Coutinho picks out Ramsey. Of course, Ramsey runs into that space. And of course, Ramsey scores. Well, speaking of 50 yards of space, <laughs> the third goal, Philip Coutinho, he's shifting on his left, and then bang, he turns to his right, has a little look at all the space that Jacob Ramsey has decided to burst into they come in like a train and there's a Leeds player running after him and I do not know why he's even bothering to run after him like just get out of the vicinity you're not catching him give up you've fallen asleep when you see Jacob Ramsey's back 
it is already too late. And he, <laughs> he is gone. He, he is he is motoring through there with you know just awesome power and uh, the touch to get it out of his feet, perfect. And that finish into the top corner, into the roof of the top corner, like just emphatic, just Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, that's it. And here it is. This is how you also score a goal against Leeds United. <laughs> porous, porous, juvenile and moronic because they just don't have enough quality to pull off the way they're trying to play. Let them run at you. They'll lose the ball and the plot and then you kill them. Long, straight, fast balls into your forward players and suddenly you have a three on two because Ramsey is coming. He's always coming. There's oceans of space and Ramsey can just swim past the fucking wreckage of a Leeds backline. I mean, it's brilliant delayed ball from Coutinho and I was screaming at him for not playing the pass to Watkins after Watkins made a great run and it's an incredible finish from Jacob Ramsey, the best footballer in the world. <laughs> the The ball from Coutinho, yeah, it's like... It's just that little bit more daring, isn't it? The way he plays it further forward than anybody else would. Anybody else would would play it closer into Ramsey's run, but it's just like, no, no, I'm I'm forcing you to get even further into the box, and it's got all the perfect weight. Since Aston Villa have signed Philip Coutinho, they've played two games at Villa Park. They've scored five goals. Philip Coutinho has been directly involved in all five of them. He's got uh, two goals and three assists, and... Jacob Ramsey and Philip Coutinho have combined for four of those five goals as well. So already, it is the greatest partnership of the Premier League era. <laughs> it, it is incredible. And because of the system, they play with those two in the same side as well. It just works so well. Like Ramsey will just run past Coutinho if his legs aren't there anymore. It's grand. Ramsey's got enough legs for two players. <laughs> And then, like, really, the I think the cocking up of this whole match was this goal because not only was it one of the worst goals I've ever seen in my whole life, um, it was just you know, a b- badly timed goal, but you're also two goals up no matter when that goal went in. It was bad just to give them that that in again. And we know the Villa were going to try and just see it out when they have a one goal cushion because that's what they try and do all the time. Um, <laughs> but basically, Rodrigo has two men stood up and he back heels it to no one. But he's gambling that neither Coutinho or Douglas Luiz, our Brazilian stars, are going to let a runner go by them. Like He's gambling that neither of them are going to follow that runner. Sorry. And his gamble pays off. None of them bother their arse. Then, then our two best aerial players at the club are, <laughs> are monsters of the sky, Tyro Mings and Emmy Buendia. <laughs> Somehow you get beaten by Dan fucking James, four foot six Dan James. It seems like <laughs> it seems like he's come off with the in the end, but like how has that happened? The two of them are either side of him. Somebody just get up and get that head away. I know Buendia can do it. I'm not even being sarcastic. We know he is better in air than anybody, especially Dan James, who is literally just standing there and the two of them let the ball go into the net. <laughs> Yeah, I think at the start of this goal, again, Kanza is, is a bit flat-footed. The back heel is decent, but you're right. Where are our where are our midfielders? Cash is missing an action. He should surely realise that Douglas Louise isn't going to cover the space and he has to get back a lot fucking quicker. And then instead of dealing with the ball, Mings and Bundia decide to make the least satisfying sandwich of all time. <laughs> and amazingly, that fucking single slice of wafer-thin ham gets something on the ball. It's so fucking irritating. 
Yeah, that it was really bad. Like that's that's the sort of thing. I, I, I do want Mings to just clear everybody out of there. I want Buendia to be injured after what Mings has done to get that ball away, but he didn't seem to take any action. Like he sort of stood there. I know there's a bit of pressure coming from Dan James, but I know it's Dan James as well. So just throw him out of your way too and head the ball clear. Yeah, like he doesn't get his footwork right, and he doesn't, he can't get off the ground. And I don't know what he's doing. He's walking backwards too quickly. He can't jump. It's, it's a mess. But Bundia should just be running around in there. Bundia will get away with a lot more as well. He can just get in there. Like the ref's not going to blow that up if Bundia puts a lot more pressure on Dan James. You're not going to concede a penalty for that. Yeah, it was that week that they had suggested that VAR were going to have a look at it, and it was that was. Really sad because you realised then it was Dan James up, up against two Aston Villa players and the idea that he might have overpowered somebody illegally it was just so outlandish and I, I didn't want any part of that. Um, yeah, Dan James fucking ducking out of the way and we conceded a goal. <laughs> fucking stomach churning bollocks. <laughs> the third goal for Leeds, uh, second half, Florenti. Almost feel a bit of sympathy for Mings here because he has produced some of the most amazing pieces of defending. Seconds earlier, uh, Martinez gets caught out. Don't like it. Um, he's sort of flapping around there. He, he misreads the situation. Mings reads it brilliantly. Gets back onto the line. Just anticipated. Great control of his chest like, and reaction. And positioning to keep it out of the, the goals. And then, like you know, brilliant clearance on the volley as well. Good reaction, good follow-up. And then he produces an unbelievable header when his deep ball comes in just straight after it as well. So he, he's completely cleared it out there. Like that's exactly what I wanted him to do for the second goal. And then seconds, seconds later, Strook has a really bad header and it bounces down to where Mings, Watkins and Martinez are completely unchallenged. There's no Leeds player in the vicinity. And Mings sort of panics and he, he reaches for it and he... He produces a bad touch, a panic touch that he doesn't have to take. And he kicks it in the wrong direction and it's heavy and it's straight towards Laurenti, who just says thanks very much and smashes it in. Yeah, you're right. The one before that was absolutely incredible anticipation because Martinez is an absolute mess. He drops back. Yeah, he called it perfectly. His reactions to block it and then to fling himself at the ball before anybody else even reacts. He's out there following it on a scissor kick. It was incredible. But then it's just absolutely dreadful. I mean, he, ha- he hasn't gotten his head straight or his head clear from that block. And he's still in emergency mode. But this isn't an emergency. No. The header has nothing on it. Watkins is behind you. There isn't a Leeds player for days. Take a touch and deal with it. This isn't a bad situation. Yeah. Instead, he just he just poked out his right foot and it hit off him. And uh, just a wrong decision in that in that area where it just needed a cool head because there were so many opportunities to be cool. Like it, anybody could have dealt with it. Mings could have left it. Martinez would have picked it up. It was such a tame header. Uh, Martinez could have left it and Watkins would have taken the touch and, and ran out with it. It was oh, unnecessary and it felt like three unnecessary goals. And yet again, the downfall of a Steven Gerrard performance is mistakes. And I'm sure he's unhappy at that. And like one of the things that really hamstrongest in the end was our boy Eze Konza it's the second time getting sent off um, really stupid like we already had to downgrade we already had to take off Coutinho and Buendia like four substitutions and now we have to waste our last sub on a centre half and then we have to surrender a home game against Leeds that we were fucking 3-1 up for 
Yeah, and there was ten minutes to go at that stage as well. It was oh, it was unbelievably idiotic, and it was comfortably Ezri Kansas' worst game he's had in eighteen months. Summed up no better by making Dan James look like Messi for the first goal, making Dan James look like Messi for the fucking first yellow card that he got. And what is he playing at? This is this isn't a difficult situation here. The legionnaire goalkeeper has kicked the ball out of play twice already, <laughs> once for a corner. Like, like what, what are you panicking? Let's see what he's going to do with this ball. Like, let, let this develop. This isn't exactly a bad situation here. Unbelievably moronic stuff, and it was so obvious as well. And then run the round pretending he didn't know what happened. He put both arms around him. Terrible. Yeah, well, we'll get into WhatsApp. We'll just plenty more to talk about. We'll see you there. The first WhatsApp wins is brought to you by Mick McCarthy on Twitter. I am all for people sending in their WhatsApp wins. I've said this before because, let's be honest, there's only so many times that you and I can talk about Douglas Louise or whoever else in WhatsApp wins. There's only so many ways you can skin a cat. So please send your real-time frustrations into us and we'll get a, a different flavor of it as we go along. We're on the Villa podcast uh, on Twitter, so um, get us there. So... Mick McCurphy's, I think, just sums up WhatsApp winges perfectly because he sent this. I don't know who he sent it to. He sent me a screenshot of his WhatsApp and he sent it at 8.29pm. When did Philip Coutinho score the goal? (laughs) (laughs) He scored the goal at 8.30pm. That's right. And Mick McCurphy wrote in his WhatsApp winges, his real life WhatsApp winges, Philip Coutinho looks like Philip Coutinho of the last four years. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and let's be honest we've all been there this is the spirit of whatsapp winges he has just pulled the trigger and he's pulled it in his case seconds earlier and Phil like going on to produce some sort of magic yeah and to be fair to him i was touching on this at the top of the show when i was talking about philip coutinho's performance and how easy it was to get through legionnaire the amount of times that philip coutinho got turned and then absolutely fucked it up by either <laughs> just having a completely Terrible touch, a tr- atrocious attempt at a dribble, an overhit or underhit pass, or a pass straight into a legionnaire at centre half. It was an absolute mess, but luckily it didn't persist for much longer after mixed text. <laughs> this is like your defence that time. It's 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 it really is the. Uh... When he said Philip Coutinho was shite, Philip Coutinho <laughs> was shite for twenty nine minutes. But this is the perfect example. We've we've been consistent with this. We will let players like Philip Coutinho turn around and lose the ball and run onto Leeds players as much as he wants as long as he's going to deliver those majors and if he is going to produce an average of 2.5 direct goal involvements in every game at Villa Park I will let him lose the ball as much as he wants <laughs> well that's the thing but it, 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 he was losing the ball trying to do the right thing I mean the pass was on to Watkins the pass was on to Cash he was just doing a fucking terrible job of delivering it but that's okay so long as you can see it if you see and attempt the right thing often enough it'll eventually pay off for you now speaking of Douglas Louise I don't think he was great <laughs> to be honest but he, he's getting a bonus this week so in the uh, Spirit of finding people weeks wages, we did introduce a new offence, which was any opposition player running towards their own corner flag and a Villa player decides to bundle them over when he's got nowhere to go. That has to be an automatic fine, an automatic <laughs> weeks wage deduction. Douglas Louise, of all people, had that opportunity and he did not foul Laurenti. He stood him up. 
he shadowed him and Laurenti kicked it out of play. It was that easy. And for this man to do it, I think it's growth. Now, we just need growth in the rest of his performances. <laughs> but I think that was great. Yeah, and this is the thing. Sometimes you just have to play the man at the game. <laughs> and whenever it's Leeds United, you're given plenty of opportunities to do that. Let them make the decision. And those players will just kick the ball out of play sometimes because they're not very fucking good. And the best thing about that was Douglas Louise went sprinting out of position, sixty yards, and this could have just this could have gone two ways badly for him. Yeah, I mean, if if he if he didn't successfully stand them up and foul them, weeks wages, and if he didn't, if he did just let him skip past them, and he's out of fucking position again, can you imagine what would be happening for the rest of the podcast? Yeah, we would have said that he should have just fouled him when he was out of position. <laughs> um, the second. What's up, Winja? It's, it's a question, and it is, and uh, being serious when I asked the question as well. Um, are Villa a bit to make or break in their general play? It's it's like they want to score every time they have the ball, and I don't necessarily mean that in a a good way because, like, you know, you're not going to score every time you have the ball, and it feels like too often that their attacks are ending too quickly, and. It also feels like we've got a lot of good players that aren't being used in, in all these moves because we're just turning around, looking up, and trying to thread it through. And yeah. more often than not, we're not threading it through because we're, we're playing on that limit the whole time. It makes it exciting a lot of the time, but it just feels like, you know, that's, you know we've got we've got McGinn, we've got Ramsey, like, you know, let's bring these boys into every move, and we're not. Yeah, and think about how quiet John McGinn was. Today, I mean, his most telling contribution was probably a back post diving header clearance. Yeah. Um, he got he ran around a few Leeds players a couple of times, but getting tight to them by using his big arse. But the annoying thing is, whenever we do knock it around, we're really good at it. And we're really good at it because we're not knocking it around aimlessly. Because we've got those players that can play the killer ball, yeah. whenever we knock it around, we eventually end up in a better position to play that killer ball because our players have a brilliant blend of being able to keep possession, but also look for that pass. Buendia, Coutinho, and the three fucking midfielders we have, they're absolutely so comfortable with the ball at their feet that it's grand. You can keep possession and wait for the right run at the right time, and those players will find it then. Don't just fucking force it. We actually make it look really easy to keep possession, don't we? Like, just boys are just dropping into space, and like they're not afraid to take that ball under pressure, and they all turn on it, they drop the shoulder on it. It's yeah, we're one of the teams that I think make that look so easy when it's looked so hard before for Villa teams. But just on again, yeah, like you're right. I think this is a couple of games now. He's been brilliant for the most part under Gerard, but just the last few games and. Tonight against Leeds, especially, he's too deep, and the way Villa are playing as well, like it's not helping him. Like we're just threading it, we're threading it, we're looking for that pass. Like we don't want to take that away from Coutinho and Buendia either. It is great that they're looking up, but we still have McGinn there. Like let's get him into the game a bit more. I don't know. It just I feel like Ramsey's pushing on, and I'm not saying it should automatically be as easy for McGinn then to do it, but he's just finding himself in his own half too often and. The way, and I know it's not the same position, but remember when all the talk under Dean Smith was he wanted Jack Grealish to not be taking that ball in his own half that we always hated, and he was really going on that mission to make sure Grealish was getting the ball higher up the pitch. I feel like there needs to be a bit more emphasis uh, with McGinn for that. 
Yeah, like he was, he was definitely too too deep today. Whenever we had the ball, and that's but that's because you're right. We were playing, we were forcing the ball, and you don't need to force it against Leeds. You'll get 10, 15, 20 maybe opportunities a game to play that ball quickly into your forwards. But you don't. Have, it doesn't mean you have to play it every fucking time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can go through your brilliant ball players that you have in the middle of the pitch. I don't know if it, I don't know if ever. I don't know if you can ever look at the bigger picture in a game against Leeds United. I just don't know if it makes any sense to do that because you'll never play another team like this until you play Leeds United again. So it is always I'm always reluctant to draw any conclusions from games against Leeds other than games that were character and having a bit of common sense. Yeah. Third WhatsApp whinge comes from Ollie Watkins, who has had enough of everybody whinging, and he has decided to go over. <laughs> And lift up Emmy Bundia off the ground as Emmy Bundia is sitting on his arse, remonstrating with the referee, holding his boot and throwing his boot. And Watkins just thought, fuck you, get up. And I, I can I could only imagine if that happened a few months ago when Bundia wasn't playing well for Villa, I could only imagine the satisfaction in your face seeing Ollie Watkins <laughs> stopping him from complaining because we were getting annoyed that he wasn't playing well and he was spending a lot of time complaining. But... This time Watkins did it. It seemed a bit out of kilter. We had already equalised at that stage as well, but he it had enough. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't pleasure on my face whenever he did it. It was absolute surprise. Surprise at the restraint that Ollie Watkins showed by just going over and picking him up. I would have booted the head off him. What the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Sitting on the ground, put, you know, throwing your toys, literally throwing your toys out of the pram. What? Get up, Lee Jarrett, have the ball. They're streaming down the pitch. Gerard told us this week you're mad for it. Fucking show it. Get involved in the game. Sitting there like an absolute plonker. <laughs> um, but I really hope his injury isn't too bad. Like that was really annoying to, to see him go off. Um I don't know. He seemed to walk off alright. I'm not gonna diagnose him here, no point in, I don't know why I started <laughs> under that conversation. <laughs> what did you think? You think it was an ankle, ankle ligament or <laughs> or an impact injury? Uh, last WhatsApp one uh, comes from Nick Edmonds on Twitter. Um, he asked, "Can you do me an inquest on how Douglas Louise keeps getting to hit free kicks?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good question, really good question because uh, we've got Luca Dinya there, and we've got Philip Coutinho, and we've got John McGinn, and uh, Douglas Louise is the one seemingly floating them wherever he wants. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things happening in the world right now, you know. Boris Johnson can't get a second's work done because birthday cakes keep throwing him parties and Putin's <laughs> Putin's desperate gagging for a war, war in the Ukrainian border. The cost of living is through the roof. So I understand that your pals in the media are fucking busy, but they're not paying enough attention to this. I mean, this is absolutely scandalous. What is going on? There was one that was perfectly lined up from the angle we've all seen continue to float the ball into the top corner. Yeah. And Douglas Louise tells him to go away, which was bad enough. They then proceed to have the worst routine that Aston Villa have ever had. When two of them run over the ball. <laughs> McGinn I... just runs into the wall. Dinya half-heartedly runs around it. Douglas Louise waits for what feels like the rest of the half before <laughs> playing a pass to Lucas yeah. Dinya. I was going to say, I actually think this wasn't that bad a routine, but Douglas Louise looked at it all and then he waited for the lead player to run over and cover <laughs> before trying to play it to Lucas Dinya. Yeah, give him a chance. You know, <laughs> look at Dinius got, got a march on him here. I'll, I'll give him a challenge. See what he's really made of. Our new signing, fucking dreadful stuff. It's a weird phenomenon. Like his corners 
are good still. They're, they're being whipped in. We'll talk about a couple of them in uh, in the Rosenthal Award. But his free kicks, he's just uh, his, his brain has to come under a bit too much, which is always perilous. We don't want that to happen <laughs> as much as we can avoid that. In our centre midfielder, the better. Yeah, there was one. There was a free kick from the right hand side as well, where he should be fined a week's wages, so his bonus is cancelled immediately. Where he just laughed at the ball. Somehow managed to hit the ball about 40 to 50 yards with no power in it. I don't know how he managed to do it and just floated it out towards the corner flag. No Villa player had moved yet. <laughs> Nobody was ready for the free kick. And Douglas Louise just picks out the corner flag. Unbelievable. Yeah, I remember the ironic cheers uh, from the Leeds fans on that occasion. It was, uh, that was golden and it was a golden and a rough night. And to that end, we will hand out some awards after this. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. And the lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you, he's an uh, unlikable character. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it. Those well. other still have it. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's, there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Bromley accents, though. Really go through you, don't they? I only have four nominations for, for the Rassenthal Award, and you know how tenuous uh, I was making some of these awards. <laughs> I'm glad you've had a moment of reflection over the last two and a half weeks. <laughs> some of these nominations were uh, out there, so it's it's a bad reflection that there's only four, considering how generous I am with the nominations. So, um couple of them were banging off. So Mings' first header uh, from the Douglas Louise corner. We just talked about Douglas Louise. Lovely corner. Uh, it's whipped in. Ah, Mings just misses it, really. And then his second one is definitely the worst. Um, initially, I thought Melier had made a good save for the Mings one. I thought he got across in the way. But then the replay just showed that Mings didn't really connect with it. And the second one, he connected with the Lucadinha corner. And he just... <laughs> Aimed it wide. He just aimed it wide from six yards out and uh, really, really bad attempt. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. The first one, I think the keeper makes, makes himself big and it is a great save. He gets himself across and <laughs> hits off his forearm. <laughs> Mings gets a header on the... And it's going in if the, if the keeper doesn't get lucky with just throwing himself across. The really annoying thing about that was the follow-up where Dina's making a, 
and nuisance of himself, and then he ends up making a fucking idiot of himself by throwing the defender to the ground when they were the only two people on the pitch that the referee was looking at. Yeah. That was unbelievably irritating because we just had Leeds panicking and penned in at that stage. The second header is it's a great ball from Dinya, and it's it's, it's it's a goal. Like you know, I celebrate it whenever it went in. Like it's you know an extra lick of paint on the post, and the the ball might have stayed in play. Is yeah, I think you might have your your old Ming's bias glasses on for both of those. <laughs> yeah, right, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll lay off them a little bit in terms of the chances. Um, uh, two more nominations. Uh, Look at Dinya. Really should be doing better. The ball breaks him in the box. He goes at it like. I know he, he probably should have went that up his right foot. I still think he should have done way better if his left foot. Like, he's just toe-poked it. What, what, what do people call that? Like, is, I think toe-poke is a weird term for a lot of people. Like, um... What, like, pe- pe- people call it, like, uh... Toe-blue and, st- and stuff like that. What, like, what is the proper term there? And, uh, are you, sorry, are you, are you asking me? I grew up in the same area. <laughs> should we call it the same thing? We're <laughs> 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 <Or> brothers, Colin. <laughs> Well, anyway, he stuck his toe through it, and, uh, and he's just like hit it straight because he stuck his toe through it. And uh, all you need to do is just aim it into the bottom corner. Probably should have went with his right, but could have just not hit it straight as well from where he was facing. Yeah, didn't you? Definitely, he should, he should do better with that. It's interesting that you left out the unbelievable run through the middle of the pitch from Tyrone Mings that led to that chance. Oh, but there were so many. I want to talk about that next. There were so many Tyrone Mings runs that actually. They all just—I I just forgot what became of all of them because they were they, they all, brilliant, all brilliant runs as well. Like, don't worry, we'll get to that because I have a question about that um, that I think you might appreciate, considering uh, especially your love and Tyrone Mings today. The, <laughs> actually, two nominations, not really nominations. So here we are, we're back at it. Um, both Dina and Cash drilled balls across for Watkins and. I, I don't think it was one of those ones that Watkins should have been there. They were just absolutely leathered. Uh, from so near to him, and like he was never really going to get there. No, I, I think the first one, the pass from McGinn. Actually, I was I was doing McGinn a disservice by saying the, the best thing he did was the, the header at the back post. It was easily this pass. It's absolutely yeah. unbelievable first time pass over the top, followed by a dreadful touch from Cash, and then the pass from Cash is what it was needed if the first touch was in any way decent. But because the touch takes him out wide, Watkins brilliantly keeps himself onside. He can't get in close enough to the goalkeeper for where Cash is going to pass the ball. If Cash's first touch takes him closer to the byline, Watkins can get closer to the byline, and it's a goal. But it was a, it was almost an incredible goal. and would have been a brilliant team move. The second one, yeah, Watkins love throws himself at it. It's probably too much and a needless amount on it from Dean. It's cross. I've heard people call it a bog toe as well. <laughs> Definitely, like toe poke makes way more. You're poking it with your toe, like that makes perfect sense. Anyway, um, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Enkelman, what the fuck award? Uh, I, I think the winner is Kanza here, like you know. But we'll go through the rest of them anyway. But Kanza should not be doing that. We we talked about it at the top of the show. Stupid, stupid stuff to get a second yellow card in that situation. Um, but Melier concedes the corner, like you said. Like this boy isn't good at playing football. So why did he keep asking him to do it? Like it, and this was that example where it was like, obviously you're uncomfortable, but like he definitely should have just controlled it and passed it back out to his right back. But he was just freaking out. He was falling backwards and he slices it out for a corner because of the 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 mental 
uh, drama that's happening around him. Like, you know, if that's happening, like, you know that's happening, so just fucking clear the ball. Like, you, you like, it doesn't matter. Like, what you've done is worse. Like, you know, I know you're trying to keep the ball in play, but what you've done is worse. You can see it at a corner, and, like, he does not seem to want to be in those positions, and he's always in them. Yeah, exactly. And this is what makes the obvious winner of this award, Ezra Konza, getting them in a fucking headlock at the end of the game whenever he was going to just kick the ball out of play. Um, there's well, there's one nomination where Cash, Mings and Konza all took each other out. Um, I thought that just sort of summed it all up. Lorente gets a free header there. Like these three Muppets are falling over the top of each other, injuring each other. And Lorente <laughs> thankfully heads it over. Uh, Big is very, very lucky that he's not winning this award only because Kanza topped him in the end. But Chuck Wemmick is passed back to Kanza, especially because that was his second attempt to play Leeds through. And uh, <laughs> by by God, he's nailed it this time and he's put them straight through. Yeah, again, I think Kanza is implicated in this a little bit. Not as bad as Chuck Wemmicka, but Kanza needs to be on his toes more. I mean, Chuck Wemmicka is looking that way, so he should definitely see the Leeds player. But Kanza should know what game he's in. I mean... <laughs> Leeds, you don't have a second uh, to breathe against Leeds. You have to get the ball and get moving. You can't wait for the ball. You shouldn't be waiting for the ball to edge your own box anyway whenever the opposition have just had an attack. There's players hanging around. Be aware of it. There was a free kick at one stage and Tyrone Mings plays a 1-2 with Martinez just so he can lump it out anyway over the top. Um, but this, <laughs> this, this is the one that he failed to lump out. He, he looked like he might have got fouled um, but he just lost the ball really. And then, like, that's not really a nomination, but it was annoying, the fact that we've we've concocted the, the one-two only to do the same thing. It was a free kick, just hit it over the top if that's what you're going to do from play. And then, um, just in the spirit of Tyrone Mings finding touch, on the 17th minute, he makes another amazing run. You're talking about those runs. And then he just pokes it out. I think... Like, this is the one that Dina is looking at him, and Dina's saying, I, I can't go forward. Like, I'm offside. And unless you play it, I can't, I can't go. And uh, Tyrone Mings instead just, like, pokes it out behind him out for a throw-in. And they start arguing about it, and Dina's sort of pointing across the line, like the offside line. I think Mings misses Target on his heels, because Target is always sitting back there. <laughs> <laughs> like, this has happened three times now, where he's, like, Dina's up the pitch. And Mings has literally just rolled it out of play on the sideline, 10 yards behind him. I like that's where Target would be, and I think Mings misses it. Yeah, yeah, you could be on to something there. But the annoying thing about that is, if Dini was so insistent that he couldn't go forward, why did he eventually go forward as Mings is about to hit it? He's told Mings he can't go forward, and then Mings plays it to where Dini should now be, because he said to Mings, don't you fucking dare play the ball forward there to me. Anyway, I'm off there. Where are you going, Dini? You said no. Like get the ball off him. Um, but the question I had about Tyrone Mings, like you know, talking about his runs, like some of his runs were amazing, completely open and everything up. The way, uh, the way he bluffed, I like, dropped that shoulder down the left hand side and and got in like across the byline to to set up another chance. Like he, he can play some ball. He can stride. He's fast. He he's good with his feet. Um, should we just play him in defensive midfield? <laughs> Is he the answer we're looking for? Uh, yeah, I don't ever think converting players works out at all that often. And I just don't know. Tyrone Mings looks good whenever he's galloping through the middle of the pitch and he looked good doing it against Leeds United. I mean, there's a lot of different things here. I mean, neither of those are attributes you want from a defensive midfielder being able to gallop up through the pitch against Leeds United. 
you, you don't need that. It's not, not exactly what you shouldn't be doing against Leeds, running out of position like that. But, but it worked, and it was madness. And it'd be so easy to be critical of it because it really was madness, but it did work. Yeah. So it's really difficult to be critical of it. And he did it brilliantly, but there's absolutely no way that Jerome Mings can play defensive midfield for Aston Villa. <laughs> Despite the fact that we currently have Douglas Louise there. I was just going to reword that and say, should we play Jerome Mings in defensive midfield ahead of Douglas Louise? <laughs> that definitely makes it a different question, all right? Yeah, although we're less critical of Douglas Louise, imagine how critical it would be of Mings lumping the ball over the top from defensive midfield. It would be like, this is our centre midfielder hitting the ball over the top every time. Yeah, and if he sat 20 yards further up the pitch, he would just be kicking it straight into the whole end. Yeah. <laughs> the, the runs the runs were brilliant. Um, yeah, in another night, I can see myself complaining about him being out of position. But he never lost it. Like That was the thing. He, uh, yeah, exactly, he caused yeah. a bit of chaos. He was doing it when we were 3-2 up as well. Like, you know, it was... Sometimes I feel like he's emotionally charged by what's happening. Like not not always a good thing, especially for a centre half. But uh, you know the, the Villa crowd, we get frustrated at some stages. Like a couple of mistakes, or like they conceded that really bad goal, and then Mings was just trying to make amends for it. And it's like, look, we're a goal up. If we were one nil up now, we'd all be controlled here. We'd all have our heads about us. If we were two one up, having come from like being one nil down. We'd all be that in that situation, but because we were three one up and then it was three two, Ming started charging and charging as if we were three nil down when we're all brilliant when we're three nil down. Yeah, well, I, and and between the the tenth and the twenty fifth minute, I talked about the top of the show as well. He did a couple of those runs. He had a bit of energy, and I was fucking all for it because the rest of the team was a shambles and it needed somebody to shake them. And maybe that just invigorated him. Maybe that gave him the the license in his own head to go and do this. Or maybe you're right, maybe he's just too emotionally invested in the game, like he was for the third goal. He hadn't gotten his head sorted from the second from the clearance immediately beforehand. And he just does that whenever he's on the ball sometimes. Yeah. Uh Collins is the winner there, um, easily. The Tim Sherwood, we play two number tens and bamboozled them award. Two quick nominations, because I'm not in the mood to be too kind of how everything went um i like the disrespect of melier just the obvious targeting of him from corners like everybody get around him he's going to freak out like this boy it's like he's wearing boxing gloves like it doesn't matter what sort of ball you put in his direction he is pointing it like and <laughs> it, it's like it is really a good factor when you're playing everton and when you're playing leeds because that up op- like you know when you're hitting a free kick or a corner it's like well we need to we need to give it this sort of delivery, this sort of trajectory, but we need to keep it away from the keeper. Like, you do not need to keep it away from the keeper. If it goes towards the keeper, he's going to point it and that can go anywhere and then there's a whole new element to it there. Um, and Villa, I felt like we're just targeting that and I liked it. And the only other nomination is, you talked about our style of play already, but just, we were hoping this is what we would get out of having two number 10s and having Coutinho and Buendia, which is so, like sexy it's 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 brave you know playing those two and um the the way it's working though the way they're pulling back and they're dropping in and ramsey is running beyond it it's working like we wanted and yeah we're seeing cash and dina getting forward as well i think that will keep getting better and if we can cut out mistakes as well like we're going to be on to a winner here yeah this is exactly what we were expecting to happen we need we just need to get mcginn doing what Ramsey's doing a bit more, get a balance, have it happen on both sides and get Ramsey to do the defensive work that McGinnis doing whenever yeah. that happens as well. Yeah. And then the other side is if, it, if Dina just needs to get back a lot quicker. He's not that fast. I mean, there was real problems today with our backline, the way it was shaped. 
at times it looked like you know cash was five meters ahead of cash was five yards higher than Konza. Konza was five yards higher than Mings. Mings was five yards higher than Dinya, and that all came from Dinya's <laughs> feet. Five yards higher than Watkins. <laughs> and that all came from Dinya's Dinya's fear of being behind being caught out for pace or over the top and that's not great either and then whenever that happens whenever that fear settles in that brings out the worst in mings as well and he drops too far back and then that whole that whole left side of our defense was a bit of a shambles and that cascaded through the team did i say westwood oh he was playing award ollie Watkins. <laughs> like I, I i don't know i can always try and up there i know it's tough but he's very quiet like we, we need more from him we're talking about Ramsey having an impact and continue and you know Brindia not quieter today but like not as effective today as he has been over the last few weeks but he has been very impactful Watkins is just like he only got the 90 minutes I think because Collins ended up getting sent off and yeah he wasn't really imposing himself on the match yeah, but because the only players that have any discipline, there's two players that have any discipline in the Leeds team, and Watkins was being left with them, and then the rest of the space, like the game plan when you're playing Leeds has to be to pour into the space that they leave, so Watkins isn't necessarily that important to that. His touch was grand, a bit heavier than it normally is, like he hadn't played football in a while, but yeah, like yeah, he wasn't involved in the game, but that wasn't necessarily what Jared wanted from him either. You like them, we didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. I only have one nomination, um, and it's a frustrating one. Villa time wasting to see out the home draw with Leeds. Like the, the crowd didn't like it. Like the crowd did not appreciate that. They, like it was the first time I've seen Emmy Martinez go down at Villa Park and you know do, do his theatrics and do his time wasting. It's, that's not good. Like I don't we got ten men, so what? Like we 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 rammed two more goals, was it, against Crystal Palace with ten men? Well, we've got Ollie Watkins up top. It's only Leeds. They have Dan James. They have they have less than ten men. Like they're not that. Like, it's it's not that big of a handicap playing with ten men. Like so much so that you just have to now see out the game and try to hang on to a draw in the most disgusting way possible. Like we were doing what we were doing against Everton, which wasn't nice to see, but at least we got the win, so it paid off and it was worth it in the end. We were doing that in a game we were three one up at home. Nighttime match in front of Villa Park, and it was Leeds, and we only had lost one player, our centre half. Like it was, I don't know. It was, it was, it was disappointing, and I, I, I did feel like it was a bit negative. Yeah, I didn't like it. I, I didn't, I didn't think it was needed either. I mean, you, you can, you can see out a draw in different ways as well. You can see out a draw by keeping the ball, and if you keep the ball against Leeds, like you keep coming back to, you'll get space. <laughs> And that's the really frustrating thing. I didn't like going to the four three two with Chuck Wemmick up top. I thought that was mad. I would have played Watkins up top on his own. He can occupy the players up there, and you want those runners coming from deep. Then you don't want Chuck Wemmick standing with his back to goal. That was that was fucking madness, and it killed us. But this is the really frustrating thing about what Konza did. I would rather Leeds. Like Konza knew he was on a yellow car. What the fuck was he doing? But not only that, I would rather Leeds go four three up. And have 11 men knowing that there's 15 minutes left. They were so far away from going 4 3 up, by the way, than just having to hold on to that game. Let's just try and win the game. It's, oh, it was madness. It was terrible, terrible decision making from Konza, compounded by the rest of the team then deciding to try and 
see out a draw. Yeah. Look, maybe I'm being too dramatic, too extreme. Maybe it's um, too hot right now after the match, but there wasn't a part of me that was thinking, oh, do you know what? A draw is better than a loss here. Like, I didn't care. Like, I, was, I, was, I feel like I was going to be equally as disappointed with a draw as I was going to be with a loss, considering how the match went. And I wasn't relieved when the full-time whistle went because we got a point. Like, this, this season, like, we're not going to get relegated. We're not going to get into the Champions League. Like, I just want to enjoy myself. Like, it's not too much to ask. I just want to enjoy myself. And the way to do that is not by conceding two goals when you're two goals up against Leeds and then trying to see it out because you've got 10 men. Like, let's have a bit more invention and a bit more adventure than that. Yeah, they, they could have been cleverer about how they dealt with the, the, the 10 men than they were, definitely, without a doubt. The Vyman meter going up. John McGinn, you talked about that head of clearance that he made. That was brilliant. That was at the end as well, where we could have lost it. And I would have been gutted if we had lost that match. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was another instance where Konza tried to tie Mings, where he was running up. And I think he might have got a bit unlucky. He didn't get a free kick at the edge of the box. That was a good run as well. John McGinn is the one who got back. He was the one who sensed it. He was the one smart mm-hmm. enough, fit enough, got back. Went in the centre half, held the position, got out, made an unbelievable block at the edge of the box. Just brilliant timing, uh, anticipation, great centre back play, and just also then because of his manic desire to nick a ball away from someone who won't be able to go anywhere anyway. <laughs> you know, they're going to win that ball in their half with their back to the goal McGinn's behind them, and he just feels like getting in and giving them the throw in just to annoy them that little bit more. And, <laughs> I, I, he must be one of the worst players to play. I'd hate to play left side at midfield because I'd say people were coming down, oh, for fuck's sake, like, this boy <laughs> never lets up. Yeah, he'd be a fucking brilliant player for Leeds, wouldn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like he, he, did, he did put in an amazing shift and you're right to call out that one where he covered for Konza after Konza had a little whinge lying on the box, a little windy uh, moan lying in the box after he didn't get the free kick when he was nudged on the thigh. A big centre half coming galloping through isn't going to fucking get a free kick there. Get on with it. The ref hasn't given any free kicks today. Um, it's actually unbelievable that ref sent somebody off given his reluctance to, to give yeah. a foul in that game. It's, you know that ref right. is my hero, that guy from Australia who I talked about last year, Jared Gillett. He, like, that, that video went round of him in the A-League where he used to referee and he was mic'd up. So it was one of those examples like, why, why, don't, why, why are all the Premier League referees mic'd up? This is Look at this guy. He's dealing with it so well. You can hear everything he's saying, communicating with the players brilliantly. And then when I was having a moan about how bad the Premier League referees were last year, couldn't believe that he was in the championship. It's like, what the fuck? Like, you know, I've seen this boy in one game, mic'd up. <laughs> what, what, what is he doing in the championship? He's obviously better than all these other guys. And uh, I mean, maybe he was consistent enough tonight, but uh, a, a bit mad was he, he was a bit mad wasn't he that was the best he was thing. fucking mental if he was mic'd up tonight all you would have heard him saying was nah not for me <laughs> uh going up Ugh, it's like this is from so long ago now i don't really feel it anymore uh <laughs> going up look at dina he had a brilliant header from uh daniel james cross it was going into rodrigo with the back post just tuned in, diving in the way, brave, brilliant defending. He did it on Cavani as well. I remember that against United. Like he tuned in at the back post, and that was when it was one 0 to lead. So actually, like it would have been a different game if he wasn't as honest as he was there for that for that piece of defending. 
What a fucking performance Villa must have had tonight. You've put two people up on their own now for back post head of clearances. Fucking hell. <laughs> Here's another one I wrote in the first half. Coutinho <laughs> going up for the nutmeg of cock. I think it's before even Villa had scored any goals. Yeah, <laughs> like a drag back. Uh, lovely, lovely nutmeg. Just like, oh yeah, I like seeing that at Villa Park. That's great. That's absolutely incredible. Phil Coutinho could nutmeg a mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> um, going down... Ezri Kanza, obviously, hate to say it, but he is. Yeah, like, Ezri Kanza spent the first half making Dan James look like Messi, when in reality, he's just a fucking mess. I mean, <laughs> he was causing panic every time he got on the ball. We were standing off him. Kanza was standing off Dan James. What the fuck was that about? Dan James is fast, but so is Kanza. And Kanza's not shit at football. I mean, it was embarrassing stuff. And if Kanza just steps onto that shot in the first 10 minutes instead of spreading himself for James, James would have just leathered it against Konza, and James would have had that scene go into freeze frame and the intro to Bob O'Reilly by the Who playing in his head. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. You're probably wondering how I got here. Because that's his fucking life as a footballer. Disappointment after disappointment. And you have to remind him of that at the start of the game, and then that's him done. Instead of fucking invigorating him, getting his back up, him thinking for 30 minutes that he's good at football. It was fucking horrendous stuff from Kanza. Yeah, I know he's suspended for the game against Newcastle, which is annoying because they've had a good win. We're away from home. Kanza's been our best defender, um, our best centre-back anyway all season. Um, it's just a so needless. Like It's it's so infuriating every time I think about it. Like And, and there he is. He's missing another game for us like he did already. Yeah, well, like, hopefully one of our other brilliant centre-halves can handle fucking Chris Wood. Yeah. <laughs> Going down, trip to South America during the season. <laughs> you know, happy for the boys. Happy Coutinho scored a screamer for Brazil. Delighted when Diego got his debut. And I don't want to stop Emmy Martinez because his record for Argentina is phenomenal. I think it's his 10 clean sheets in 16 games. Uh, hasn't lost yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, there you are, two boys tonight getting injured. Maybe completely unrelated, but I don't know. You might tell me. <laughs> what the fuck is the Premier League doing organising a winter break whenever there's international song in the yeah. AFCON's on fucking South American World Cup qualifiers what sort of a winter break is this that's so true it's an international break this isn't a winter break well that is for the Europeans isn't it <laughs> um, yeah like, like lo- loads of people are going down but just disappointing result really um hopefully we can bounce back playing newcastle on sunday but yeah like there's a lot of good signs there like we're playing some really good football it's really joyous a lot of the time like just too many mistakes that are costing us and uh yeah it's another it's a second home draw in a row as well it's just deflating to be honest yeah it's grim questions we can't answer but probably will why does Kurzuma have pets? <laughs> <What's that? laughs> let's, uh, let's end this podcast on a high. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, if he was half as good a footballer as a disgusting animal abusing plonker, he'd still be at Chelsea. <laughs> if he ever once connected with a football as well as he connected with that cat, he'd still be at Chelsea. 
the I think that the really funny thing was David Moyes' interview afterwards. I mean, David Moyes told us during the interview, he was a pains to point out that he's an animal lover himself, that he loves dogs and horses, <laughs> suspiciously leaving out cats. Like, you know, is David Moyes picking him really that big of a shot? I mean, he picked a philander and wife-beating scumbag to be his assistant manager whenever he was the highest-profile club in the world. So it's not really, he's got form for this type of thing. And... The really weird thing about this was he probably could easily have gotten away with picking Zuma if as well as doing that he just said, you know, I've spoken with Kurt, he understands what he's done, he feels terrible, we all agree it's disgusting, Kurt's going to learn from it, yeah. we get him a few lessons, get him sitting down with the RSPCA, donate a, donate a few weeks wages, like all those things should happen anyway, but it also would have shown good leadership from Moyes and probably would have dampened the story instead of taking a fucking petrol to the flames. Yeah, something to do with me, is it? Like, what yeah. the fuck was that about? Like, you know, it's a, it's a footballing decision. That's all I'm doing here. Like, what are you doing? Just condemn it. Say that Kurt feels terrible and get on with it. Yeah. But what are you, what don't they say as well? We understand it's not something everybody is pleased about. <laughs> not something everybody is pleased about. This isn't fucking marmite on toast. <laughs> not sitting around sipping each other's craft beer, passing around a pint of fucking. Goblins, coccyx. What do you think of that? Mm, I think it's a bit hoppy. Oh, I like it actually. Like, what, like, nobody is pleased about this, and they're obviously shades going from indifference to outrage of a handful of few fucking psychopaths that David Moyes is desperate for us to acknowledge. You know, to be fair to them, we understand this isn't to everybody's taste, but there are people out there who will be pleased with this. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? He, he, he has sounded odd in the past as well, I and mean, he's not the most comfortable man in the world when he's in front of a camera. There's desperation to exude authority. Do you remember that time he told the assembled media and the viewers at home and the defending champions fans that the defending champions had to aspire to Man City's level? <laughs> After being hammered 3 or 4 0 to one of their biggest rivals, he told the fans of the defending champions, <laughs> you know what? That City lot are pretty good. A city team whose manager had been in the job for as long as Moyes. Yeah. Unbelievable. 2013 city. Yeah. Was this was this before or after he complained about the the balls that were drawn for fixtures? You know, <laughs> didn't trust them. He said he said there's something funny going on with the balls or something something like that. Yeah. His quote was so weird. Like just to give the exact uh, phrasing of what he said. He said at the match the other day. He said, "I had to pick a football team." That gave me the best chance of winning the game as manager of West Ham. Um, I know how people feel, but I'm also a football manager here. Like, yeah, like he's riling up that other section, like those section of psychopaths that you're talking about. He's giving them a flag to wave. He said, "My feeling was that Kurt has apologized. I understand a lot of people will not be accepting that apology, but to me, he came out, and honestly, I had a job to do." It's like, you know, like, fair enough if he was that hellbent, because I know we swallow a lot of stuff that footballers do to, to watch this match. And, like, you know, a lot of, like, questions of morality that fly around every few weeks in football. But David Moyes really wanted to just go there and play a player that he thought gave him the best chance of winning the game against Watford. Um, all he had to do yeah, is exactly what you said. Or just say, look, you know, it's it's being investigated, blah blah blah. Like I, I, I don't know too much about it. It's being investigated today. We played him. Um, we'll we'll take stock as we go along. Like no, it's, it's, it, what he's done as well is actually fuel the flames. Like not only for what's obviously going to be another culture war now, because a lot of West Ham fans have immediately just sprang to the defense of their player. 
Um, but he's also probably made it worse for West Ham. There's advertisers pulling out. There's more heat on Zuma. He's lost his Adidas contract. I mean, probably would have done all this stuff anyway, but I just can't for the life of me get my head around why somebody has a pet in the first place if that's what you want to do. Like, you know, what what, what, what made him want to go out and buy a cat? Like, what? Like, what? Do you know what I mean? Like I, I know some people like might just not really think much of animals or pets or whatever. You know, or think way less of them. There's definitely extremes. There's people like Kurt Zuma who want to drop and and, and drop kick a, a cat on the ground. And there's people like Chris Kirkland who's come out and said that it's worse than racism. Um, so there's definitely somewhere in between where it's like you know, like where it's like that. This is just appalling. But I, I, I can't. I really just can't understand how like he's gotten in that position in the first place that he wants to take care of someone like this. But then that somebody thought so many hoops to jump through here. They thought like, here, are you getting this on video here? Like I'm, I'm going to do it now. I'm, I'm going to volley this cat. Like you know, <laughs> make sure you're recording. Do you have it? And then once you've recorded it, let's like you know, let's look at it. Yeah, that's brilliant. Can we add the laser emojis? Perfect. Now send send that on to everybody. And then like, you know, maybe somebody like who knows like I'm only a Premier League player. Hopefully nobody will download that and uh, send it on to a journalist. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, That's pretty much summed up what happened. There. <laughs> Last question we can't answer, but probably will. <sighs> Look, we've gone on long enough. Is there anything left to say about Harry Maguire? <laughs> sure, do we stand at all? I think we've gone past the point of I told you so, haven't we? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's, pro- there's probably no United fans listening anyway. Surely at this stage, maybe a few sadomasochists. I mean, <laughs> Louis Van Gaal. Maybe Louis Van Gaal, yeah. I mean, he was obviously a mess for the goal yesterday, which was the second time he was done by a spin in behind by Jay Rodriguez. But <laughs> there was an even better moment after a long, useless Burnley punt up the field and Maguire got into a tussle with Vegas. that to be fair he didn't lose he didn't win it either but the bounce of the ball favoured him Vegas had been backing up and he kind of stumbled backwards just left the ball to Maguire Maguire then proceeds in five yards of space on the halfway line to commit to a diving header for a ball that is about a yard off the ground once again under no pressure on the halfway line like I would roll my eyes and think of Raphael van der Vaart if this was done with players converging on him in his own box, and if he had dealt with a situation, but that wasn't the case. He was under no pressure on the halfway line, and he headed the ball about five yards forward to a Burnley player to start the counter-attack. And then it's just the sight of him, head down, legs pumping as if he's waded out thigh high into the Irish Sea in December, and he just can't get back, and it was fucking glorious. And it's amazing to think the United have spent over a billion quid in the last 10 years on well over 100 players and Harry Maguire is starting for them and their captain. Incredible. <laughs> and he reminds us of it every week. And Harry Maguire is what, a 12th of that billion quid? <laughs> um, yeah, look, just uh, run the tapes, go through what the podcast every three weeks maybe and there's going to be a, a segment of Harry Maguire and probably a lot of the time pointing out that he's made an older blunder and he's gotten away with it because David De Gea has made a save or uh, Raphael Varane has come across to, to block something that he's cocked up in and go on back to the Euros when we're constantly talking about him and we're constantly talking about Gary Neville 
yet again uh, pointing out that Harry Maguire was England's most important player, or is England's most important but player. Th- this is the thing, you're saying run the tapes. Is nobody in the Man United backroom team running the tapes? Are they not seeing <laughs> this? <laughs> Yeah, like I, I assume because like most United fans do know it now as well. Like you said, I told you so. It's like I, there's nobody left really to say that to. Like you know, they they, <laughs> they, they all know it. But so maybe the argument for a lot of them now is that he's better than Lindelof. I, I don't think he is. I think he's a he's an accident waiting to happen. Like I, th- I think he's a disaster. Rio Ferdinand was talking about him, uh, being hungover from the from the Euros. Like this, this must be the world's longest hangover. Of all time, like you know, how how long can you be hung over for? I don't know. I thought two days was the standard, but it's why it's going on in in February. Still hung over from the summer. And why is it just him? And he missed the first two fucking games of the Euros as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> 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 we'll be back on Sunday. Thanks a million for listening. Get in touch. If you are listening, uh, get us on email if you want, the villapodcast at gmail.com. I actually got a couple of quite funny questions, and maybe we'll use them for questions we can't answer. So uh, get them in there if you want. Um, and we're on Twitter as well, at the Villa Podcast. Thanks again. Please spread the word. Um, I really appreciate everybody who does uh, tweet about it and, and pass it on. It does mean a lot, and it really helps. Um, so if you think there's nobody listening, and they might get someone out of it, or they might enjoy a bit of a release every time Villa don't win, which seems to be every fucking week, then maybe this might be the show for them to get <laughs> get it off their chest. I know I feel a lot better now, uh, even though it's after 12 o'clock and I'm still talking about this fucking game. So we will leave it at that, and we will see you on Sunday. All the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 